This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Woo Verse. This is your safe port in the cosmic tornado that is 2020, with all the possibilities and the complications of this bold new world that we find ourselves living in. I am Kiralee. And I'm Lynette. And we are your hosts. We are energy workers, energy dealers, healers and spiritual revolutionaries. And we are here today to say Black Lives Matter, end Aboriginal deaths in custody now, defund the police, and viva la bloody revolution. How you doing, Al? Big times. How you doing out there? Yeah, like it's like a gamut of feelings, isn't it? All squashed into one. I really started as shocked. Um, It really started with seeing that video, really. Of George Floyd? Floyd. And that stopped me in my tracks. And then I went into what I can only describe as like a numbness and then a rage and deep pain. And then it's just spiraled into so many energies since then, you know, whether it's right, we need to be on this, I'm listening, what can we do? But then at the end of the day, watching... I think, you know, the funeral in the last period and watching that this is someone's son and father and brother just really grieving on some level yesterday, really in deep grief for him and the world and, and his family. And what about you? Yeah, similar. Just as we've got together to record this, I've actually reached the point where now I really feel like I want to cry. I haven't been like, oh yeah, I haven't, I've been in the in the shock and in the rage um, and and in the like, oh, what is it? It's shock and it's rage and call to action and also like that distant glimmer of hope that this looks different. This looks different. Black Lives Matter didn't start recently. It's not new. It's been going since 2013. The call for racial justice in America is now 400 years old. But this time feels like maybe it could be different. Maybe real progress has the possibility to be made here. So it's all, like, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. And also the the constant, and I know this is absolute white privilege talking because this is something that I'm watching on a video. It's not something I'm experiencing in my own body and in my own communities, but watching the constant violence against black and brown bodies that's been on our phones and on our TVs and in the last week, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. And it's really um, had a big effect on me. It's um, quite traumatizing. To even see, and it's not my lived experience, but even to see it is shocking. And it's traumatising how much it's been pushed away, you know, without phones recording these things and us being able to see them so viscerally, how shielded so many of us have been. Mm. And that is so disturbing. It is so disturbing that you have to – we have to recognise that this is changing because we're actually being able to see it. And feel it, but this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. And I think the realization of that is really heavy. Yeah. That we've been living in a world that potentially so many people have been affected by, but we have been oblivious to. Yeah. And, and when we say yeah, we, again, it's a very 
privileged segment of community can, that can say yes. we have been unaware of this or we have not been focused on this. And I think that's part of it as well. Like really as spiritual white women at this point in time, part of the work we have to do is coming to terms with our own failures and our own we blind do. spots. And this is shadow work in its most deep and powerful senses. Yep, this is individual and collective shadow work. And then part of me wants to get stuck in that. Part of me wants to make it about me, right? Because we love a bit of that. So part of me wants to be like, then this hurts me. But of course, that's not the point. It's not the stopping point that it hurts you to realize that you've dropped. I'll speak for myself here. It's not the point is not that I get stuck in my own grief at my own behavior. The point is that I account for it and do better now that I know better. And amplify the voices and people who have been fighting this cause for so long mm. unheard, yeah. who really can lead the charge. Yeah. And it's about handing that over, I think. And I've certainly felt the desire to want to do that yeah. and to listen yeah. more than yeah. talk yeah. about it. And also to relieve the burden. Like that's the thing. Black people have been doing this work for so long and white people have finally just been like, oh, no, sorry, is that... Is this my problem as well? Even though it's always been a white person problem. Racism is a white person problem. We invented it. We benefit from it. We support it. We enforce it. We have to dismantle it. It is our moral yeah. duty to dismantle it. It is. And, so, and to build something better yeah. and do better. Yeah, just I just keep saying better. we can do better. We can do better. And this is the beginning. We can do better. There is no doubt about that. And and so one of these really big energies of 2020 that we've, like, this is the energy of 2020, isn't it, is the topic of power and who has it, who has been denied it historically, systemically, uh, how we reclaim it, how we share it, yeah. how we envision it in this bold new world. I, I find it very interesting that, because 2020 is just so hectic that even a few weeks ago when the focus was more on pandemic and, and the effects of the pandemic, there was a lot of talk of like, historically, pandemics have led to big social changes. And here we are like two weeks later and there are the social changes that people were talking about. Like, yeah. it's a vital yeah. topic. And we're seeing it, it play out in real time as people in marginalised and oppressed communities are standing up, are coming out en masse to claim their power. And we're kind of seeing these traditional power structures being both doubled mm. down on and enforced. And I'm looking at you, mm. Trump, and the, I'll call the National Guard in and the army on my own people. Dominate the streets. Yeah, but then we're also seeing what's happening in Minneapolis with the councillors standing up and going, we will now defund the police. Mm. Like it's this weird in-between time where a lot is changing, but some traditional structures are doubling down. And if nothing, 2020 has completely shaken our notions of power to the core. And so that's what we want to get into in today's episode is is the energy of power. I'm going to be talking about it energetically and spiritually mm. um, from that perspective. I think that's the best way for us mm. to be able to sort of describe what's happening. Yeah, and that's know. our wheelhouse. That's where our experience lies. We are not um, political activists. That's not our background. Energy is. So that's what we have to offer. And so let's talk about power. What exactly is personal power yeah well by definition power is the ability to exert force over something so you can either create physical coercion or violence or you can use it to open a window or walk through a door or rebuild a political system 
but it's the force Mm -hmm. behind Mm -hmm. things. Traditionally in our world, of course, most of the things that we see playing out are all about using the physical world to attain a sense of force over our world. But in the spiritual notion, we talk about authentic power, which is far more about how the internal world is working to assess consciously what impact we're going to have on ourselves and each other. So it's a much more intrinsically rewarded Mm. system and it's based on the whole concept of awareness Mm -hmm. and understanding what your intention Mm. is. I think it's the original spark that then sets the force in motion to the external world. But basically some people say, well, if you cut off from your internal world, the power you're going to force on the world is all going to be about survival and gain. And that's where we get Mm. these different types of power. And you can even see that happening now in our world where some people are more have been more internally motivated to try and create a deeper sense of alignment with whatever their values and beliefs are and how they express that. And then there's been just like, let's dominate the streets and bring in the National Guard. And people are like, hold on a minute. Mm. We've got these two frequencies and how are we going to bring them together? And they're kind of the frequencies as well of power over and power to, isn't there? Because when we talk about exerting power in the external world, sure, there's like opening and closing a window, but there's also repressing a protest movement or the power to hear, embrace, uplift and let the protest movement move to the change. And even in our individual yeah. lives, there's the idea that if I'm a powerful person, I have power over people. That's how I show my power. Or if I'm a personal power, a powerful person, I ha- I share my power. I uplift others. I um, liberate others. I show other people how to get into their power. Like people who really have mastered their power and learnt to care for themselves and tend to themselves and step into their power present very differently than a CEO. There's that notion that power is neither good nor evil. It's the user that makes it so. So, Yeah, as with everything, yeah, right? Right, it, comes with, it needs to come with a warning. But if you think about it, right. Certainly ba- a user's guide. Yeah, the base chakra is how much power you have over the physical world, like what house you own or how much money you have in the bank or the car you drive. The navel chakra is the power that you use between those around you and yourself. So how you would navigate a relationship, for example. So if we went to dinner, we'll be split the bill kind of thing. It's that sense where you end and somebody else begins and how you're trading that seesaw of energy between you. And the third chakra is really about that empowerment of yourself. And that really started and kicked off in the 90s where people started to, you know, do all the big, yeah, 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 power, new age stuff and regain their life and heal their inner child and make decisions that their future was going to be different, which is awesome. Yet the next step, which we were sort of talking about in spiritual tunnels, is that we've got to go from the third chakra power of I am powerful to the heart chakra, which is a more global sense of power and a more shared sense of power. And it it's honeys and elixirs in there are things like compassion, grace, yep. forgiveness, yes. I let you go. Okay, power of love, yeah. power of surrender, it, power of compassion. And to have faith. And so what happens when you get up into this heart chakra, which is usually through some kind of baptism of fire or initiation is that Dark night of the, the opening yes of that heart then sends the energy back down through the bottom of the chakras and you 
can make amends and you can change the way you wield your power in the physical world and in your relationships. And that's why it's so powerful. But And I think we are going through that as a collective, but that's going to yep. be pretty big and it's it does look pretty messy, I think, at the moment. And I think somebody who's really in control of their personal power does present as somebody who's in harmony with themselves and those around them, somebody who's not really swayed by trends or what everybody else is doing that they've decided they've got to do it too. Somebody who, who maybe has no fucks left to give and isn't comparing themselves with other people who's just quietly treading their own path. Yeah, they're renegades in that sense too, even though they're soft. And that's a new concept right in the 80s you know if you go back and watch all the movies of the 80s secret of my success you know the whole yuppie movement it was all about having more being more hierarchical power and a lot of that drive in our external world has created the mess that we're in today carolyn meese says that power is a core ingredient in the human experience she also defines that understanding power and how to use it is basically essential into becoming awakened or aware when i think of power i always think of the dalai lama because when i went to see him he's so soft and he's 70 right so he's old and yet he's so bright and when he speaks he's just very genuine and very calm But he has so much power that I was standing in a crowd of a football field of people and you could feel the love in an open air space. And when he finished speaking, this massive rainbow appeared over the crowd from this small rain shower. Mm. And I remember thinking, how does this soft and very gentle man wield so much power but authentic power, right? He had the power to move energy throughout thousands of people. Yeah, he wasn't conquering anyone. Mm. So you've got these two different styles and they're quite, you can see how our world's been split. Yeah, up. and I've heard it explained as a very masculine form of power and feminine form of power as well. Power mm, over, yep, being masculine, yeah. power to, being feminine. And also it's age of Pisces versus age of Aquarius as well, isn't it? Like these old hierarchical power structures now coming to lateral power structures, which is what power we're really seeking. yeah. And then there's another power that we haven't really got to overly talking about on mass yet, but I think it's getting there more and more is this concept of divine power, which is something that is beyond human capacity. And, you know, it sort of only comes into mortals once we summon it or once we align ourselves with it. So there is that whole other layer yet to still come, I think, in a greater form. Yeah, Although some people, like if you look back at the Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, that was all done Mm -hmm. in the name of God, wasn't it? That was like divine power on their side with every step they took. But then it gets perverted because there's so many white radicals in America right now who are saying God actually doesn't want any of this to happen. God loves a bit of racism. So, Well, we just saw Trump take over the steps of the church and the person who you know the priest whose church is under their governance was like i've never seen him here this does not make any sense why is he oh yeah you know he doesn't go there regularly to pray like you know that's a thing he's never done and that and that's where it gets so confusing around this whole misuse of these things that are very special and sacred to people to be used to coerce them I, i guess into feeling that this 
a very physical form of power mm. is connected to yeah. divine power. And I think with this is where it's always got icky when those two things have happened, hasn't it? Oh, my God, yes, it does. It gets icky because when you mix the sacred with the political, one is about teaching people how to get connected to themselves and the divine energy force within mm. them, and the other is about means of external control. Mm. So when you mix those two, it's kind of it's kind of tricky because they're not having – they don't have the intention of the same outcome. Yep. But spiritual energy has always been about finding and connecting into that internal and spiritual power to, to define oneself. Yes, and coming into your own power in order to stand up against that which represses you as well and yes. knowing. And if the power yes. that you that is your birthright, that you know is inherent to you, is not in any way supported by the state or the systems of oppression, it's really being confident in that in, in yourself and knowing that as a form of resistance. Historically, I mean, that's why the spiritual space was so owned by the masculine mm. and it was very much like doctrine or you will die. Yeah. And I think so many people just find that so oppressive now because it was virtually a control mechanism. Yeah. It wasn't about the freedom of being able to connect to yourself or to the divine energy. It was actually controlled. Yep. Sacred energy has been Yeah, power of control versus power of the people. I want to read a quote from Audre Lorde because I love her. She is amazing. She is a black feminist. She is an author, an essayist. She's queer. She was a part-time Berliner, so she just has my heart on many levels. And <laughs> the quote is, if I didn't define myself for myself... I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. And to me, that really speaks of this understanding of your own power as a way of pushing back and, and being able to live your life, even if society doesn't want to let you do that, isn't in any way looking forward to supporting you. And if in other episodes, Clarissa Pinkola Estes has been our... Um, guide <laughs> and every time I've said I'm her girlfriend. name you've gone okay everyone stop um, take a shot this time it's going to be Carolyn Meese and Ilania Van Zandt because those two women really for me have taught me so much about what the truth of spiritual power is so Carolyn Meese kind of describes it as though everything we're choosing and doing is either fueling and enhancing our spirit or it's draining it. She kind of sees it as though we have these circuits, like a collective bank account within us, and we're the ones who are deciding how we spend mm. it, which is, I think, a really interesting concept. Like standing in your power is managing it mindfully, right, and wisely and understanding your energy flow and knowing that where attention goes, energy flows. Every thought and every action and even your words direct those circuits so if you have mindfulness over that then you're saying I'd really love to tell that person to go and you know get stuffed but that's going to take that energy backwards spiraling into a negative force it's going to create ramifications I'm not going to do it that way I'm going to do it another way that creates a positive frequency and a positive force so thoughts words and actions being directed to create a positive force on our planet mm. And we can think as well in terms of energy being like time, attention, effort, money, mental space, emotional bandwidth, yeah, words, thoughts, actions. Like it's an energetic force, but it comes through in the material world as well, doesn't it? And the mm. way that we spend our energy in the material world and who and what we give it to. That force on the outside used to be the only thing people cared about. In fact, when I was at school, I remember a teacher telling me that the amount of power that you have in the world was directly 
connected to how many people you paid the wage of. Oh, good gracious. And that was what I learnt power was. That was my first understanding and definition of power from a teacher. And that is power over as opposed to power to or empowered. That's a very old world structural view of power. And I have it, you don't. There's only so much to go around. We kind of have to fight for it. Yeah. That's, I can't believe that's what you got taught at school. That's yeah, like, that's what I got taught. Yeah. That hurts my feelings. Yeah, like if you could fire seven people, <gasps> you had power in this world. That's oh, what we were taught. Oh, good Lord. I had to go through this journey of discovering that that actually power is something different and every single person has power and everyone can connect into it and everybody, no matter who they are, where they're from, can equally enforce that power, can equally dispose of that power into the world and create effect. And over the years, definitely reading and working with people, you can see huge differences when they reclaim their power from relationships or addiction or things that are literally draining them every single day to bringing it back into using it and putting it into something that's going to have a return on investment. Essentially, it is a really interesting concept that we do have management over these invisible circuits that are running through. There's also this idea with power that we hear a lot, which is um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But there's this Mm. other idea that actually when you get absolute power, what it does is reveals. It doesn't corrupt you. It shows what you wanted to do all along. And now that all of the barriers have been removed and you actually, whatever Mm. you said you had to say to get into power all of that's gone now you've got all the power now we actually see what it is you actually want to do with that power and it's interesting to watch spiritual communities fall apart as a leader rises up preaching love and support and connection Mm. and then when they get all the power they want it turns to abuse and it turns to denial and it turns to power Mm. over rather than power to and it happens with bands doesn't it i used to work in band therapy For a while there. And, you know, all these amazing first albums and the money would come in and everyone was so excited and they loved each other. And then you've got all this money and all these differences of opinions and someone's out the front and someone's getting more, you know, photo shoots than someone else and maybe a fragrance commercial and the next minute, you know, the beauty of that is really destroyed. And so the way we manage and hold this within our own bodies and selves Mm. and with each other can either create or it can destroy. So getting down to the basics of it, are we born mm. with power? And are we all born, with, born power? with power? Every single person on this yep. earth born with power, from the highest, from the most privileged birth to the least privileged birth, we're all mm. born with power. I believe we're all born with internal power. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. And connected to divine yes. power. And each one of us has the power to use that force in our physical world. Yep. We're not all born with the wisdom to direct and use it, and we're not always born with the consciousness yep. instantaneously. Or the access to support. To or, yep. But all of us have the potential to make a difference and to create change and to make choices in our life that we can then use to go on to transform the world. There is an element of sideways little bubble here, which is, does karma exist there? I believe it does. I believe there is a wheel of karma in there that you might have to get through personal soul obstacles to use that power in the way you want. For example, the way I got to my spiritual gift is different to the way you got to your spiritual gift. We may have both got to our spiritual gift, but 
it was my karma to go through what I went through. It was your karma to go through what you went through. So your obstacles and my obstacles are different, but we've all got the same power. And just to rewind that a little bit, you said to transform the world and absolutely, but first to transform your world, like your individual world, especially if you're really poor and you're stuck working so hard and you have no time for yourself. Maybe that's not actually going to be your possibility. You won't have the resources to change the world, but the personal power you have inside you can absolutely transform your world. And that's where that teaching from Buddha comes in, which Buddha was like the circumstance may not have been your mental conscious choice, but your choice to suffer or liberate yourself is within you. And that's where the empowerment comes. I think the first place we learn this and we choose to understand this is with our parents or our, our original caregivers or lack of and our siblings. And in fact, sort of one of the first notions we have of what the universal mm. source of higher power God is, is what how our parents use power over yeah. us or with yeah. us and how we exchange it within the family, how we're received, what our codes of belief are. So really power starts very young, all this awareness. And how the powerless are treated. When we are powerless, we get taught a certain way, this is how the powerless are treated. Maybe yeah, with like care and protection, trade. maybe with control. And denial, Mm. that's a very powerful early lesson that can be hard to shake Mm. as you grow up. It is, isn't it? We can see so many parents struggling with this. I have conversations all the time with, oh, you know, how much should I regulate this child? How much should I give them? How much should I be managing Mm. them? And there is a new wave of thought, not that we let, you know, the buffaloes run free on the plane, but on some level it is to teach them to co-regulate themselves. So we try and assist their regulation rather than enforce their emotional state upon them. I see you feeling sad. I can understand why that's made you angry. What can I help you do about it? Rather than you're not allowed to feel angry. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, which is one. Which is which an old is the, school uh, of control. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, total side note, but I have this theory at the moment that part of what's happening on the streets right now is that when you raise a generation of kids telling them not to bully each other and that everyone is special and everyone gets an award and I have no time for people who rag on millennials you can get fucked as far as I'm concerned millennials are amazing we are pro millennial we are millennial friendly here we pro love millennial. millennials you're welcome yeah. here. so when you raise a generation of kids at school to go don't bully each other and everyone counts and then they get out into the world and everybody and like poor mm-hmm. Black people are bullied and Mm. there is repression and suppression and Mm. oppression, that's when these kids stand up and go, nah, uh, 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 and they end up out on the streets supporting the cause. It also is that this generation came with absolute 2020 vision, I'll call it. They can call bullshit from a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. My son, you know, part of being on the spectrum is that he can see so clearly that something is not right and he calls it. He's like, that person's angry. They're not happy. Why are they smiling? It is so clear. (laughs) Greta Thunberg. All those old white bloody boomers who are like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Climate change isn't that bad. And she just called it, just called it and started a climate revolution. (laughs) She did. We have been training for the last yeah, yeah, few years. Yeah. So we're born with power, but we can lose it, right? <laughs> we can. And sometimes it's from losing it that we learn about how to consciously regain it. So when we unconsciously direct it towards things that fuel our third chakra, and you called it before, right? Give someone absolute power and watch yeah, them implode yeah. because that's what happens. 
I, as a parent, have actually done this with sugar. I decided that the third Easter we had, I was like, you know what? I am not going to, I'm going to give you a smaller portion of eggs, but I'm going to let you go to town with it. Marshmallow effect. Let's see, see what, what they do. They went to town with yeah. it. Everybody had belly aches. Yeah. Every, by 12 o'clock, everyone was like, oh. I'm like, yeah, okay. Sugar's a chemical and this is what's happening to your body. Let's have some water. Let's try and do this. It's been so interesting. I think since that moment, they will hand half a cupcake back. Yeah. They will. They won't actually just sit there and gorge themselves with sugar. And by the way, I'm not a parenting expert. I, I'm like kind of a drone parent. But it was an interesting experiment to go, what if I'm not there? What if it's cocaine yeah, down the track? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. if it's cocaine and I say to you, listen, this is what it's going to do to you. Are you going to listen mm. to me if I keep taking it away from you and you don't get to feel this effect in your mm. body? Sometimes it's by having it all that we lose the side of the shore that we have to find our way back. But you can absolutely, I don't believe you lose your inherent power, but you lose control of your power. Yeah. Or you're put in really yeah. awful circumstances where, sure, you may yeah. still have your power, but you're pinned down by the state or by the society on every side and have no way to have that validated, to have your power validated. Disempowerment. Yeah, disempowerment. Yeah, yeah yep. We grow up in a kind of energy soup where we're shown how to use power, how to get love, which is the ultimate form mm. of power and sugar. And <laughs> um, we begin to manage our energy according to that. Yeah. So if you work out, oh, this gets a great response and I'm starving, then I'm going to do it again, then you'll keep doing it again. Even when it stops giving you power and starts taking your power. Uh, yeah, and if you go back, there's parenting techniques which are really like, well, you have to control that, but it doesn't really teach us anything. Sometimes when I'm teaching this, I say to people, let's go back and look at how you grew up and what happened with your power and how power was exchanged in your family or your caregiving community and let's work out how you can find your best modus operandum mm. of reclaiming your power you know whether it's when you go back for christmas or whether it's in your relationships now mm. because sometimes we can't have intimate relationships or attain some kind of creative journey in the physical world because we're not using that power we haven't learned to consciously use our power yeah and it's what you believe about power as well who's mm. allowed to have it maybe you've never been shown a role model for somebody who looks like you or lives like you or is like you ever being in a position of power yeah. and so on some deep level you've got a conflict where you are born inherently with power but you're also not yes. shown that you can have it and express it safely in the world so on some level you don't believe that you can have it it's like that Audre Lorde quote. It's coming back to this understanding of redefining and reclaiming your power and your life on your own terms. Absolutely. Even though it's all created equal, it's not equitable. Mm. So basically you can be born into a place in the world where you feel less powerful mm -hmm. than others, but you still have your power in some form. It's just remembering how to access it. You haven't really lost yeah. it. There are structures and systems of oppression, which is what we're really talking about. The biggest structure and the biggest soup we're growing up in at the moment in the world does not serve everybody. Mm. Have we lost power or is it laying dormant? And we're trying to access. This is what is like highlighting just what's going on at the moment and this idea that power structures are doubling down and being overthrown. Jeff Bezos, as a result of the mm. pandemic, is about to become the world's first trillionaire. Well, the pandemic served him, right? Mm. That's Nobody yeah. should have a trillion dollars. I don't care. You shouldn't even be allowed no. to have a billion dollars. 
You've had to screw so many people over to get that money. And black people in America are out on the streets trying simply to not be killed by the police when they go to the store. That's like, they're the levels, different levels of power we're working with. And I remember, Donald, I was watching CNN one night, late at night. Pandemic had first hit America and people were worried about all sorts of things. And he said, don't worry, McDonald's. Wendy's and some other fast food chain are going to be delivering food on tap. Like, don't worry, America, we're going to feed you. And I thought, do we really need to keep feeding those structures of power? Like that is that is the sign that your nation is being fed. Even in our country, we've recently been announced that we're going to have home grants to renovate your house. Okay, male-dominated industry and people who already have houses. Can we not put that money into community housing? And you've got to have a minimum of $150,000 or something to do the work in the first place. Rich get richer. Poor get poorer. Poor get poorer. I heard a quote the other day. It was from an Indigenous community in America and it said a pandemic should not be a reason for social um, and financial collapse of a culture. And it was so true because... What's happened is all these businesses that were already online and ready to service their community have become more wealthy and what are they giving back to those that have lost livelihoods every single day? So can you lose power or is it just that energy can't be lost, it can only be transformed and we've got to reclaim it back? We have to re-transform it. How do we hold our power? How do we build it? How do we share it? In the physical world, you can just walk right in and take it if you're at the top of the hierarchical structure. And that happens, or you can work and exchange and trade, and that's our whole system in the Western world. That's what it's based on. But internally, to gain your power, it's about resetting your system into that divine alignment. So it's coming back into truth with thoughts, actions, feelings, deeds, service, grace, forgiveness. It's kind of a spiritual journey to say how do I bring this together and live according to what I truly feel authentically connected to and I think you have to love yourself into it you can't hate yourself into it you can't heal in the place you got sick is that the quote it's another Audrey Lord quote which is the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house and that specifically was a quote about racial injustice in America Uh, post-slavery and building a world for black Mm. people that is built by black people and not through the systems of white repression. I think it applies to somebody who feels like they've lost power inside of themselves and wants to rebuild it. You can't use the tools that were used to take away your power to bring it back again. You need something new and different. I think the essence of it really to reclaim your internal power is to gain a clarity about where you've moved out of alignment or truth with yourself, that clarity then creates a sense of natural pump where you almost bring the divine energy back in. And what I usually find is after that we get a choice, we get a, a vision of what we could do or how we could act to make that better. That's not just happening to us personally at the moment. If you think about it, On a personal level, whatever we did during the pandemic, we were asking, how can I keep myself safe? What's the truth of where I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to be doing right now? A lot of people cleaned up and reorganized their lives. And then they've got this energy that they've got to work with again. Where am I going to work? What am I going to do? But on a collective level, we've gone, hold on, 
there's a lot of things that are not in truth. We need to sort that out and then we're going to get power back on deck. Which is one of the blessings of quarantine. And obviously yeah. it was a very different experience and is a very different experience. It's ongoing oh, for everyone. Yeah. But I think the fact that a lot of people were given time and space, it's like the hamster wheel was going so fast, all we could do was keep up and then it stopped and it really gave us a chance to actually, yeah, come into truth. We've always known that the police having all the money and the mental health services having none of the money isn't right. That's not how you care for a community. But what, like, we're just so busy, like I'm trying to pay my bills and, and then space was created, jobs and money were taken away. So like a real imperative was created for a lot of people are in the struggle for survival. I feel like that helped create the conditions that we are now seeing play out on the streets all around the world. As an energist, you can't help but pull back from that and think, hold on a minute, this is not random the way it happened. And I don't mean necessarily, you know, who was responsible for releasing the virus or creating the virus whatever that's not what I'm talking about I mean on a long-term sort of zeitgeist level you look at this and realize that when we're recovering or regaining our power personally you've got to start at the bottom all the Maslow's hierarchy of needs need to be looked after do you have shelter do you have food can you get some sleep are you safe are you have you got clothes are you safe and then we can look at the relationships that you're having in the world that are either fueling or draining you then we can reset financial structures maybe get a job then we can look at fulfillment and areas of self-care then we can look at choices and maybe building on all of that and then we can get awareness what's happened with the virus is that in some ways we all got sent back to base. Mm, we got sent yeah. back to base no matter what that was, even if it was horrifying and absolutely it was not equal and not necessarily as pleasant for everybody. We 100% acknowledge that. But it was like going back to whatever was in the base. It's like if you look at it, the world's come out and gone, well, all the financial structures, like 42 million people in the US claimed unemployment benefits and they believed that there's a lot of people that haven't even registered yet. So it's more than that, let alone around among the world. And I think people started to feel this sense of, hold on a minute, structures aren't supporting me. Let me question what's going on. And people were already saying, let me out, let me out. And then with George Floyd, it kind of went, hold on a minute, this isn't just about letting out. If we're going to let out everybody there's a whole lot of restructuring that needs to happen for us to do this properly. It doesn't seem just random. It does seem like we were journeying towards changing and building something big, even to the point that during the virus, what it meant losing lives, connecting with the carers and the helpers and building rainbows between countries and sending out love. So to use that now to change the structure seems so powerful. And there's the disempowerment that comes from the external and is put on us. And there's the disempowerment that comes from the internal as well. As we ascend through the Shark Creek ladder, like as, as we've done in our podcast, we started at the bottom and now we got to the top of the Shark Creek ladder and it's now more about how we see and use this in the world. We transcend in awareness. So how you gain your power back is by resetting all of those power centers according to what's going on in the physical world. 
and you try and deflate that struggle between survival which is of course the first point of call and all the other higher stuff that makes a human being happy and feel fulfilled that's the constant struggle but you've got to start at the bottom to get to the bigger stuff and I think that's happening personally and collectively Uh, For me, it tends to show up as self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Mm. And I know a lot of people uh, suffer from imposter Mm. syndrome. Do you ever disempower yourself? Do you have patterns of disempowerment? 100% mine from the very, very early age is my empathy leads me to just trying to do so much that I can't fulfill the amount that I'm trying to do. The burden of that and the feeling of failure yep. when I can't yep. do it all is, you know, amazing. And the way that karmically showed up is I had three children very close together and couldn't feed them all at <laughs> once and couldn't. Like, yeah. And I, it was literally incarnated in physical form and I had to learn how to go, I can't do it all at once. Part of this is that I'm one person. Yeah, yeah. yeah we all have these patterns about the stories mm. we tell ourselves about how we're not as good as we want to be or as we should be or we're not doing it right. or um, And is it a Marianne Williamson quote that the thing that really scares us is not how powerless we are but the possibilities for how powerful, that it's our light that really terrifies us rather than our darkness? And I think when we think about rebuilding personal power, that's a really large part of it is, again, shadow work, going in and understanding the stories you're telling yourself, the situations you're putting yourself in, the patterns you're repeating – where you're disempowering yourself and feeling comfortable because you may hate the play, but you know the lines at least, and getting ready to come out of that into a new paradigm, which is scary because you haven't done it before, but is leading you towards your truth and your power and helping you rebuild power that has been lost. Whenever I teach those base chakras, you know, like the first, the second and the third about how to get them back into an alignment and we reach a point where life is on a foundation operating pretty well where we can build on it and we get to the heart chakra I always teach this class called the unbearable lightness of being because I describe about when you get to that heart chakra so third chakra transition there's this part that goes I might just change back I might just dismantle my power maybe I'm going to go on a bender maybe I'll call an ex-partner maybe I'll you know maybe I'll sleep in for three weeks and not turn up to work on time and what that's doing is going I can't handle this much power now I did actually not believe that Marianne Williamson quote. It was just this random like la-di-da quote until I got to that part of my chakric system and realized the desire to harm myself and everything good that had started to come into my life was so great. It was actually, I remember saying to my counselor, this is as hard for me to hold on to and not destroy as it was to take the original steps to realize I was powerless. I heard it described as almost, and this is very um, Christian Western kind of understanding, but that you being healthy and well actually is not okay. And you can't handle that. And and in fact, yeah. it won't lead to good things. It'll only lead to bad yeah. things and you need to stop it right yeah. now. It's so insidious and backwards. It is so insidious. And yet and familiar. That, does that come from parenting? Does it mm. come from eons of DNA lineage? I don't know. It is one of the things that is so difficult to overcome if you've got it programmed into you to keep letting the doors open yeah. and to keep stepping and through to trust. and to gain more and to have worthiness. 
I wonder if we're going to hit that on a collective level. So I know that this is really challenging and very painful times. And I wonder if we're going to get to a point where we see and feel so much love and resetting and things we want to see, like defunding the police and demilitarizing our police, that it's going to become overwhelming to be in a sea of love. Because... Yeah, we've never lived in a world like that before. So at some point when we get there, inshallah, how are we going to feel about being there? Are we going to know Are we going to know what to do with that? So I have faith in the universal forces that they knew that and they decided and designed this journey as it needs to be for us to get used to holding love, contractions, holding love, contractions. I think this will be a journey of expansion. Yeah. We'll go back a little bit, change back behaviour. Yeah. And then we'll come again. And hopefully, I mean, all the astrology says we can't go back. And that's why this feels different as well in that it does feel Mm. like a we can't go back. Like Mm. we can't just have this protest movement rise and then fall and then it's back to business. There is no Mm. back to business. There is no back to normal. There is only forward from here. I remember crying on my counsellor's floor saying, I just can't. I'm just not used to things being so peaceful. I've lived in anxiety my entire life. I don't know what to do with this much energy. I became an avid runner at that point because I just didn't know what to do with the energy. But she said, you have awareness. You have consciousness of this moment. You have been an adult human being in a physical body that has now had this level of of experience you may go back you may do it three times yeah. but you will come back yeah. to this new this is foundation. your new like base, and that's reassuring base level. don't you yeah. think but yeah, yeah we've reset the base it's kind of like wizard training you know when they first get their wands and they don't know what to use with them i think it's neville and his wand goes everywhere it's and then at the neville. end neville is one of the biggest most powerful forces in the last confrontation Harry Potter, by the way. And if we're talking stories and fiction and the hero's journeys, uh, Neville Longbottom, one of the greatest hero journeys in the Harry Potter saga, and I would say in all literature. My children cheered for Neville. Like we were at the end, they were like, Neville. They were so excited to see him bloom. Yeah, so much. And those who listen to the podcast regularly know that we, I mean, you even passing knowledge of this podcast would know that we love Harry Potter and we love the lessons of Harry Potter. But at the moment, we do not love J.K. Rowling. She has amassed immense power, immense wealth. She has an immense platform. And in the middle of Pride Month, in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement, she is choosing to go on a turf rant on Twitter um, about trans people and trans women not being women and trans men not being men. And um, that is such an abuse of power. To have gained all that power and this is how she's choosing to use it, it's really upsetting and baffling and not okay. It's interesting because it feeds into exactly what we talked about. How do you gain power? Consciousness, awareness. And you know what? We're all going to stuff up. But if you stuff up and it's clearly something that you grew up in a paradigm that you don't understand and you put your foot in it, rectify it. Yeah. Like be conscious enough to rectify it. And this is not making a mistake and not knowing and doing better. She's been corrected and is doubling down. Yeah, I heard a wonderful conversation the other day with an activist and they said, you know what, it's okay, we're going to stuff up, but take a risk and remove the persecution complex to hear what's happened 
so you can change mm. it. And that's that's power. When you can say sorry, when you can transform something, when you can make an act that changes something, it's using power. So let's pray she does that. And otherwise it's, it's an example of absolute power shows what you wanted to do all along. And so you say the nice words and on the way up and then when you've got all the absolute power, you act like trash. JK, yeah. do better. Yeah. Which is a good time to talk about how we share power rather than power mm. over, power to. Mm. How do we share our power? How do we uplift? Calling all dreamers, artists, healers, activists. <laughs> what did the Dalai Lama say? He says the planet doesn't need more successful people. The planet needs desperately more peacemakers, healers, restorers, storytellers, activists, lovers, people who actually want to create the next experience in a higher vibration and I think that's how we share it it's the intention of wanting to share our energy to make something work in a better way you know I think also coming to understand that it's not a limited resource and you don't need to be in poverty mentality that actually you coming into your personal power you don't have to hold it and protect it and hide it. You giving it away and sharing it actually doubles it and triples it and increases it. It doesn't drain it away. It actually adds to the power that you have. It's so interesting because this leads, doesn't it, into like the different concepts and models of power. And I always like to think of, of power models in terms of shapes. Mm. So, you know, like hierarchies are triangles and then circles with little circles coming off it is kind of bureaucratic or democratic and you've got unilateral power and bilateral power and multilateral power and I think that sometimes what happens is we haven't learned how to share it like that's what this some of this argument is about we haven't we have not been taught that the space is for everyone. I remember studying literature at university and there was this whole subject on the margins and it was like whose voice is not included in this text. And so we were given this book, sent away to read it, and we were asked to come back and talk about everything we learnt from the book. And this lecture went on for hours and everyone was talking about the character and and she said whose voice is not in that text. And we're like, I think it was on Ned Kelly, the Bushrangers, yeah. and she's like, yeah, his sister, his mother. You know, what about the people that he was were supporting him in the bush, the Aboriginal Australians, the Indigenous Australians? Oh, God. Then she gave us yeah. books on yep. all the margins yep. and she went, this is why this subject's so important because if you just read that book and you walked away, that's the only story you had. And then when you read the stories all around the margins, you realised that, he was saved a thousand times over by his sister and all the other people in the story. It's very, very interesting. There's a sex educator um, and a social justice educator called Erica Hart, who I follow on Instagram, who's amazingly amazing. Yeah. I Heart Erica is her um, is her handle. And she constantly gets asked the question by white people, but what can we do? Like, what can we do to make a difference? Her answer is give up some of your power. Don't tell anyone you did it. You don't get yeah. a cookie for it. Intrinsic you don't get a parade. motivation. Just yeah. give it up. And I think an example that we saw this week, he did tell people about it, but an example we saw this week was Serena Williams's husband, Alexis Onhanian, who gave up his board seat on the Reddit board with a request that it get filled by a black person. That's how you share your power. Yeah. You just hand it over. Old power works like currency and it works in hierarchy. It works on gains and being guarded and Machiavellian Hoarding. techniques and exchanges. Yeah, not you know? enough. Like if I give you this, if I shout out, if I 
coerce you, then we are in powerful alliance. New power, they say, works like a current. It's about how many people you can gather Mm. in, participate. It's about uploads and downloads and distribution. It's like electricity and it's forceful when it surges. And the goal of new power is not to hoard it, but to channel it and share it. Make sure everyone's at the table. I feel like we all need to take our clothes off and sing the dawning of the age of Aquarius right now because this is age of Aquarius <laughs> stuff, right? I know. We are. Control to the Aquarius. Uh, copy that, Aquarius. So all the astrology, you're right, has this new wave and new energy flow. So it is like a current, a completely different current that we're operating in. In fact, recently, massive solar flares, huge spike in the Shunman resonance, which is that heart chakra energy of the planet, which spikes when it wants to change the electricity around our little earth. And that's all operating really, really differently at the moment. It really is going to push us into that time of the age of Aquarius. What's wonderful about it is that the concept of the age of Aquarius is in essence non-binary around forms of power. So we have to share it for it to work within this astrological frequency. The more the tyranny keeps showing up, eventually it's not going to work. That's the faith I have based on the astrology. It doesn't mean it's not going to give it a fair damn try, but... Definitely, it's not astrologically supported. And the truth of it is we've always been in this together, even though, um, mm. yeah, even though we historically, due to communication and it's a big world we live on, we haven't always known about each other. We haven't always been in contact with each other, but we've always been on this planet together. We've always been in it together. And especially as climate change and the really intense effects of climate change are only about a decade away and are really bearing down on us, it's more true than ever that we are in this together in this moment, on the streets, in our communities, in our societies, on this planet that we are sharing. And it's got to be equitable. Exactly. And if you look at it even interestingly with the bushfires, especially in our country, that's a natural force that was so strong. We learned we weren't in control. It was almost like nature taking itself back. And then it was followed with flooding. And we had to work around that. It was a force we couldn't fight. So we were getting the information, this is going to be bigger than you. What are you going to do? How are you going to survive? And then if you look at, like we were talking about the virus, a virus is very interesting in many understandings of alternative medicine because usually a virus will indicate that you're about to learn something new. In homeopathic medicine and many, many doctors that run on that level of philosophy, they'll say that when you bring a child in and they've got a really bad cold or they get some kind of like sort of flu-like symptoms or virus, oh, they'll probably learn to walk, they'll probably learn to talk, they'll probably learn to in the next two weeks. So something happens to the body when we go through this kind of change. And if you look at that collectively, potentially that's what's happened to all of us. We've kind of had an awakening and now we're having this sort of collective consciousness surge that there was something going on in our system there's something in our systems we need to fix and it wasn't that virus there's other kinds of viral energies that that really is the real pandemic and the real reason we have to come together I think the other thing to say about that is that the age of Aquarius, because it's lateral power, is also based in people finding truth and finding many kinds of truth, not just the ones they've been told, not just the ones they've been fed. And this is becoming a bit of an issue, right? Because 
the people that have held that hierarchical power to tell us what the truth is. Go home. This is what the virus is doing. This is where you've got to be. Essentially are losing a little bit of that control in people. And it's kind of having a massive impact at the moment. This is a major area of debate. Do we only believe the people now that are put in front of us and chosen by media organisations? We're allowed to search our own truths. We're allowed to ask questions about those truths. So the age of Aquarius, because it's about the receiving of information from lots of sources, we'll see lots of different theories come up. I've watched over the last week a lot of shows and articles about why conspiracy theories and people questioning things have come up. And it's because, you know, we've been locked inside and we're under pressure and we haven't got enough money and all these kind of things. And I'm thinking, what if it's just because people want to ask more questions to know more and maybe develop their own sense of awareness or truth? And that hasn't been very well supported the There's traditionally been gatekeepers of power in all sorts of areas, mm. including in the media and what it is we're told yeah. and allowed to consume and whose voice is put forward. Yeah. And social media, the fact that social media happened and all of a sudden black voices and poor voices and every voice was given yeah. a platform and stories were able to be told is absolutely how we got to Black Lives Matter as well, because yeah. assaults were always happening, but now they can be filmed and now we can see them. Black people always had voices. They weren't allowed to share them. They weren't given any platforms. Yeah, dissemination of information tends to lead to where we are now, which is radical change. Well, the question is how many George Floyd experiences were not filmed? The hundreds and thousands right? throughout time. And how many did we not yeah. see? And recently when I saw the 16-year-old boy that was strip-searched by this the cop that had been in there for 17 years doing his job and it came out that he you know, had the right to take this young man's dignity and treat him any way he wanted was because he wasn't trained properly. And that was end of commission, end of story. And it's like if that hadn't have been filmed, if somebody hadn't have got the footage of that camera in that driveway, would we have ever seen any of that? So this is the age of Aquarius in motion. And the other thing that's going to be important is demilitarisation because the age of Aquarius is not about military. It's not about conflict. It's about art. It's about music. It's about song. It's about dance. It's about creation. It's about birth. And connection, support, uplifting. So this energy is not going to just be felt in our governments and on our streets and in our financial structures and social structures. It actually also can be felt in our homes and our own personal relationships. The dynamics of our relationships dramatically changed when all of us were sent home. A lot of men have said to me, I have not been that much home with my children for since they were born basically and even when they were born they didn't have paternity leave so basically someone gave birth and then back to work they went like so and then they've had weekends so weeks and weeks and weeks on end at home has changed what they have felt about what their partner was doing in the house how much the workload was being shared even some people have lost those jobs and it is women who had online businesses that are now supporting the family this is really ricocheting through every 
space in society. It's not just upper echelons as well. It's this base level. And I think it can be a call to examine your own power and work on reclaiming your own power when something as big as a job loss happens, especially if you Mm. really identified with your job Mm. and your career and that's how you defined Mm. yourself and that's where you put your energy and your power Mm. and then that gets taken away and the question is, well, who am I if that's not there? And it's really finding out who you were all along. You were actually never defined by your job. But it can be a call in 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 the face of massive loss to understand your power, a call to step back into your power, to reclaim your power, to understand, yeah, who you are when all these things are taken away. My friend sent me this great text and it said, due to coronavirus and the lack of pollution, we can now see the matrix. And it was the picture of this mm. city and it had the matrix coding over it and it was at first I was like is that a real picture because of course I live in that world (laughs) going oh my god did someone take a photo of the matrix and then I realized I know it's been proved I know I knew that was a documentary I know that's a glimpse (laughs) into the inner part of my brain the next minute I was like oh it's a meme and then I wrote to him and said That's funny, though, because actually due to coronavirus, we can see so much more of the matrix that we've been living in. And now people are starting to go, hold on a minute. And everything's become more visible in some ways. Yeah, things hidden revealed is very much the energy of the zeitgeist and this time and this virus. Even within our own selves. So how much of our identity was connected to going to work, what we were earning, what we were wearing each day? And a few people said to me too, Kiralee, that working from home meant that all the people in the office that are really extroverted and dominate the conversation, it was much more shared on their online platform so they were able to shine. There are other people that said to me, I love the empowerment that being at home gave me. I could put on a slow cooker, go to the bathroom when I wanted to and do my work all at the same time, maybe take 10 minutes to put the laundry on. The structures of power changed, even to the point that I think that when you are connecting online, you have to use more intuitive power to feel and connect with the person on the other side Mm. of the phone, whereas normally when you're in an office space, you'd be using all the physical cues, whereas online you're actually drawing on a more intuitive sense of yourself. So you can see how this age of Aquarius is really spinning it all around and inverting it all. The hierarchical powers are crumbling on every level and we are tired we're so tired of that old structure and we've actually lost faith deep you know death by a thousand cuts around our truth and what we've been sort of living in I think and we say that as white privileged women so imagine communities and people who have not been able to have the access to the power that we have but I think what's going to be interesting is that Where it's going, I mean, it's all tricky because what we have to do now is not only protest, but we have to move to the next step, which is to defund or change the structure of the police, demilitarise the police and start moving into, can we put the money in education and health and all these other sectors that kind of pour the energy in. Where it's going to get a little bit uncomfortable, and I don't know if you've already experienced this with people around you, where they may not have joined this cause or voiced themselves in this cause. Did you find that that was tricky in any of your social engagements? Did you? I've spent a lot of time this week going through Instagram and defollowing spiritual white women who have not mentioned what's going on. Yeah, and there have been some really yeah. big call-outs about 
those kinds of experiences and people who did that. I know Marie Faleo was one that was really called out yep. about these experiences and asking that it not be discussed on her platform and that it go back to a more personal platform if you wanted to discuss it. So this is going to be really big. And the reason I bring this up is not to pile on, but it's because what's kind of started to happen is that we're going to reach a point where at the moment the reason it is so important that black lives matter and not all lives matter is because right now this is the problem that we are focusing on we are focusing on the fact that this is the experience this is the system that needs help and healing this is kind of what needs triage everything else you know it's not about gay pride it's not about me too it it is literally about black lives so it's like going into an er ward and saying i've got a broken leg and someone else saying what about the arm what about and it's like well not that's that can wait the problem is that when we get to this point further along the track black lives also includes lots of other groups that potentially is going to make it very difficult for people to express their positive endorsement of this movement i'll give you an example the black lives matter movement also incorporates palestinians it is not just indigenous people it is people of all races that are being oppressed and the arab community in palestine and the black life community have been very intrinsic allies now down the track when we start looking at that and there's already been rustlings about this which is that people have come out and gone, hey, 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 I am very happy to endorse the Black Lives Matters movement in America, but I am not really willing to look at the fact that the Trump government has sanctioned the annexation of Palestine and contributed to the horrendous oppression of those people, and people will find that uncomfortable. It's going to get to a point where we're all going to see where our... Mm our limit is around human mm. rights. Yep. Ultimately, yep. it's got to be all as one, right? We can't go, well, the militarization there is okay, but here it's not okay. No, it's not okay anywhere for anyone on any human level at all for any reason. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've never owned a house, so this is not my personal experience. But as I understand, when you own a house and then you renovate a house or like even you paint the rooms, you paint the bedroom and oh my God, now the bedroom looks amazing, which means that the bathroom looks shitty. <laughs> yes, so now you need so to true. paint the bathroom, which now the kitchen looks shitty. That's kind of going to be the flow on effect, yes. isn't it? Like, yes, this is a starting is. point. This is, is not an ending point. It, it has to ripple out. It's yes. obviously going to lead to much more change all around the world. And I think exposures of things that have been sitting there but we haven't been necessarily yeah. looking at or have been very marginalised and we haven't really had to yeah. join those dots. But it's not going to take much for somebody to expand yeah. it out and to start joining the dots. And there is a direct parallel there. And once that happens, media organisations really have to choose whether or yeah. not they talk about it or not and who's funding them and who's funding people behind them. And this is where it can start the language of outrage that once, oh, well, you can say that, but I am outraged, you know. Is it anti-Semitic to actually say, I believe in human rights for all people, including in Palestine? The Black Lives Matters have really come out in support of this and they have stood their ground yeah. on it since 2016. Yeah. The thing is that 
in some of those groups, people are incredibly against the annexation of Palestine. But I also care about the you know, people in Burma and like it's... And, you know, China currently has one and a half million Uyghur Muslims in prison. Like it's like... I know. We Mm. elevate brown voices and we elevate Mm. the Jewish voices who are doing the work Mm. within Israel and the Palestinian voices. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also like Hong Kong is going to become a massive issue for this reason as well because China is an oppressor. And and non-binary, exactly what you said about non-binary. So many of have, mm. have work we have to do inside of ourselves where we get into our uncomfortableness, where we're like, oh, my God, I didn't even know I had that racial prejudice in me, and now I need to sit with that and understand the historical roots from that and heal that, and we're going to have to do it inside and we're going to have to do it outside as well. On all, You're right, on all levels inside of ourselves, on all levels outside of ourselves. We've said from the very beginning that to be awake spiritually – and to have all the love and light and power in your house and connected to the universe, ultimately if you keep going along that path, I think it is very hard to not live in the collective and see where there is veils and illusion and lack of truth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I used to be just my own little crystal rocks in the backyard and my own little altar and my yoga practice for me, for the world. But as I've become more and more connected to my truth and myself, I'll stand somewhere and go, that's not true. I need to understand more about that. I don't feel that that's right for me today. And that should be okay. Yeah, so how do we support other people in developing and expressing their power? When we come into our own power, how do we share it? How do we empower each other? Again, this idea of power to rather than power over, because I think that is the changing structure of the times, that it used to be that there were certain people in control and it was the hierarchical power structure. We are now rapidly leveling out. Like that curves that we're flattening include the coronavirus (laughs) curve, but also this kind of curve, like, as the world starts to flatten, how do we make sure that we don't fall back into those old patterns and that when we come into our power, we hold it, we share it, we support others in developing and expressing their power and that we lift we lift everybody up. We don't just lift ourselves up. We make sure that we throw the, the rope ladder back behind us and lift the next person up. So I think they're the critical ideas of this time. Definitely in the last 10 years, I mean, the people I teach and share space with, we have different views on this. Like I have clients who are absolutely anti-vax. That's not who they are. That's not what they've done. I have complete and utter space for the fact that that is what they've chosen for themselves. Like that is how they want to be in the world. I understand that it tips a curve, but I equally don't think we can make things mandatory and sustain a concept of human rights. I I think I stand more on the side of human rights than anything else. And so if you do that, you have to say, we have to be able to bear witness to the fact that there might be for a long time, not a decision. I have this in my relationship with my partner. We will have this avid discussion about something. And he'll say, well, I just do not agree. And I say, yep, me too. And what are we going to do about that? Because we don't agree. And then we might come up with an interim decision. So he might say, well, we can do this in the meantime. And I go, okay. And then we'll rethink about that and try and come up to a mutual win-win. But if he doesn't fully agree and I don't fully agree, like two signatures have to be on the bill, right? then we're going to have to come up with something in the meantime that both of us can mutually live with that we agree to. 
And that's got to happen somewhere on a bigger level, I think. Level, yeah. And I think one of the signs of being confident in your personal power and genuinely connected to your personal power is being comfortable in states of grey, not feeling like it has to be a black or a white, a yes or a no. And I think you're right as well that the um, the questioning of traditional power structures and the decolonisation work you have to do inside of yourself to understand what you were taught about power, who was allowed to have it, who can't have it, how you get it, how are we even allowed to share it? I think it's like you've got it like the answer to so many of these questions you've got to do your work you've got to do your work and you've got to go inside and understand your worldview where you got it from and how could you could expand it it's complicated everything is complicated but if you do your work and you go back down to your own base chakra and you say have i challenged the beliefs i was raised in yeah both you and I have at times separated from our family belief systems and structures yeah. and desires. Now, that is actually massive. It is, Not as easy. Carolyn Meese describes, one of the most phenomenal acts of power that you can give yourself is to remove yeah. yourself from the tribal mind and to question the religious beliefs you were growing up with, the political philosophies, the programming that you basically had unconsciously until you regain your power. Then even to remove yourself from, so say you go to primary school and you make all these friends, but you're like, did I actually choose that person as my friend or were we just sitting together in third grade, then we went swimming, then we went dancing. And then you actually ask, hold on a minute, are we supposed to still be maintaining this relationship? And also who wasn't I presented with? Who wasn't in that room because of where I grew up and the money and the race and the class and everything in the area that I was in? Mm. So when we do this, right, we gain a sense of power over ourselves and over our world and then we can afford that gift to others. Now, I'm not saying that everything everyone else believes spiritually. Sometimes I hear people talk about food and connection to spirit and it makes me crazy. I think, oh my God, you are not going to find the universe by kale. However, and you know I have that big thing about kale. It's a big thing. (laughs) But at the same time, if you want to eat 50 kilograms of kale a week, eat your heart out. Like that's your thing, right? Let's see if it works. It is more difficult when it has an effect on the herd or it has an effect on other people. Yet I think anything that encroaches on people's human rights is 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 a very difficult area and we really need to stop and consider what we're doing in that space. I think one of the signs of when you are standing in your power is when you can make a decision like that, which everybody else might be like, you're crazy, what are you doing? This is not how things are done. Why would you want to do this? And But you're like, no, no, I'm in my power. I know what I want and I'll state it. I'll state it and I'll say it and I feel better after I've done it Like because I, I followed myself rather than following somebody else. I understood my own energy and where it was going and I'm directing it where I want it to be. When I was in my early 20s, that used to hit me hard like a lightning bolt and I was very reactive and I'd go, right, I'm going to go and tell the truth and it is going to be like a... Now as I've got older, I can feel that in me and I can hold it and go, what is the best way to do this for everybody? Equally, if I don't know something to say, well, I'm, I haven't made a decision on that yet. I don't know. And in some of this changing landscape, there is lots we don't know, we don't understand, but I think it's okay for people to ask questions and like the freedom of 
information on the internet and on our phones and I think we need to feel like we're not being although people would say well we're naturally by algorithm being re-guided to things but I think we need to be able to feel like we're not being restricted from certain information to feel safe and trusting of what's going on. And being able to step into ourselves as well, being able to like cut off all the information Mm. and step into our deep intuitive understanding of where we're at and what's going on and what we need Mm. and giving ourselves space and time to dream up what comes next Mm. as well. Because I think some of the questions we need to be asking right now are around coming out the other side of this Mm. and what do we bring with us? What do we leave behind? How light can the luggage we bring with us be? I had that too. You said you went and unfollowed a whole lot of people. I actually looked at my feed and went, it's disproportionately the voice Mm. of those women. And that is not, how did that happen? That is just, you know, even though I know that I'm just following every day and it's probably an algorithm and I'm just tapping on something, I had to go and consciously seek out other voices and ask myself why I hadn't done that. Funny story, I really consciously decided to do that. About two years ago when I started my Luminous Awakenings account, my idea was that for a year I would only follow black women because I knew that I was in a bubble, Mm. I knew I wasn't hearing everyone's voices, I wanted to do something about it, so I actively was like, okay, I'm going to go and going to go seek out a bunch of other voices. So I sat down the day that I started it and I went and, you know, spent a day figuring out who I was going to follow. And um, and so that night I had a dream and Beyonce came to me and she played a private concert in my backyard. <laughs> I shit you not. She fucking did. did. She? Um, and I just feel like the, the queen, queen, I feel like Bae just turned up and went, keep it up. You're on the right path. Here's your sign. Keep going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I just think it's true, right? We we need to hear from all voices, including people like Dr. Judy Moritz, who has come out and said, hey, I want to talk about pharmaceuticals and vaccines and viruses. I want." Apparently there's a lobby now to get her to put her stuff in front of the Senate. I want to hear from her. Whether she's right or wrong, like Christine Blasey Ford, I want to hear what people have to say. And I think more and more we need to hear what everyone has to say and we need to create a way that that can happen rather than people blocking that all the time. These are historical times that we are living through. These are Mm. powerful times that we are living through. This is not the first attempt at revolution us humans have put together. This isn't even the first revolution this decade. The Arab Spring happened earlier this decade and it's Mm. like they got the message first, they rose up first and here we are a couple of years later doing our own rise up. But there is a history of people power an attempt to mm. redistribute power, reclaim power, stand up yes. for our power. Humans have yes. always been interested in this. As long as there's been people trying to take our power away, there's been people trying to take it back. I have so much faith in this, Kiralee. This is where I really, when someone said, do you think everything's going to be okay? It may be absolutely extreme and chaotic for a very long time, pending on And our- if history is anything to go by, yeah, totally going to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's true, it's going to be messy. But you know what I think that has happened in this last 20 years or even longer is that people really who support these tyrannical hierarchical structures and have benefited from them. Like I saw this man talk and say there was no systemic racism in the American system. And we were, my partner and I were like, what drugs are you on? What planet have you taken? Only a white man could come out with that and believe it on any level. Yeah. Who's benefited from it. But, you know, I was like, you know what? Where have all these people come from and gone, I'm not scared of the virus? This We've been potentially told 
this could kill you. Like this could be a heinous death, which, you know, notably has been. People have said openly on the streets, this yeah. is more important yeah. to me. And I think what people have underestimated in the fuel for any revolution has been human consciousness shift, which we spoke about in Zeitgeist, our yeah. episode earlier this year, is that people's consciousness is changing. We do not want to stay the same. So if you keep treating us the same and then getting militarized about it, eventually there's going mm-hmm. to be an uprising. I feel grateful that we yep. can uprise. There is still the capacity. Maybe that's why it had to happen now. Look, and there's if history teaches us anything, there is an uprising and there is a pushback. And that's what happened to the Arab Spring. It was so exciting. These like uh-huh. people-led movements standing up against dictators and they were brutally cracked down on. And major gains were mm. made, but also civil wars happened. Also, people were cracked down on and repressed. French Revolution, that went on for a long time. A bunch of people had to lose their heads. Russian yeah. Revolution went to Stalin. So it's yeah, not Russian. an easy, yeah. we like to think of things as linear. They tend not to be. So my dad's a bit of a history buff. That's mm. his side hobby. I can't go over there and not watch some kind mm-hmm. of war documentary in the background. And we were having this chat and I said to him, oh, it's very Age of Aquarius, Dad. And, you know, I said, you know, what's interesting? And he said, what have you noticed? What can you tell about this movement that's different to anything else you've seen or read about? And I said, there's no key figureheads yet that have stood mm. up like Malcolm X or MLK and are literally the spokesperson for this. And he said, yes, because they assassinated every yeah, single one of them previously. Yep. So this time yep. it is a shared and collective movement. BLM is a movement and it's a conglomerative movement of many yep. chapters and groups that have a mandate about what this encompasses that are holding the space for this revolution. There is no one person that this can be yep. pinned on. And that is a very interesting fact. He also said to me, where are you most frightened? And I said, oh, you know, I was really by Mad Dog Mattis coming out and saying that, you know, Trump was not necessarily had the values of the people. But I said, what was interesting about that is I immediately got concerned about who actually is behind the Trump administration, because that's actually more scary. Trump hasn't Mm. been doing this on his own. And in fact, I think he gets starting to see feelings and recognizing he's been a puppet for somebody else's mandate. What could happen is we could get that Stalin-like pushback from other people yeah. around him, not necessarily yeah. just him. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? These are unprecedented times. Interesting times. And none of us, you know, at the beginning of the year where you were like, I've got all these plans for this year, 2020, it's going to be my year. And it's been a year. It's definitely been a year. But none of us know what's coming next. No, but I love that, Kiralee. This is why the Age of Aquarius is so great, because they have people who work in the Bureau, the CIA, and they have it in governments who watch behaviours of humans and work out, jeeps, they've been home in nine weeks, better get them back to work. They're starting to get very comfortable. Hold on, we need them to spend in this sector. Let's open that up first. You know, so it's all psychology. I think people recognise sending kids back to school was about people getting back to work. It wasn't necessarily the safest thing for the kids. What happens from that is that, you know, you said, jeeps, it's a big year. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's what's great is they can't predict what humanity is going to do 
for this yeah. and none of us can and that's why it's so great and I think that started happening around the Berlin Wall when it came down. Well yeah the Berlin the fall of the Berlin Wall was absolutely people power. It was complicated. There was a, like a lot going on in the world and especially was, the Eastern Bloc at that time. But I think And David Hasselhoff basically bought it down himself. <laughs> like I think he gets all the credit, the Hoff. You're welcome. <laughs> I think he takes the credit. Um, he totally does. Um <laughs> I think, and again, I think that's why there's this feeling that things are different around these current protests that we're seeing, because it's not a one-off. It's been a constant. In Australia at the moment, it's been a bit one-off. We're hoping it becomes constant. But in America, it's been out every day. And that's what was powerful about the protests that led to the fall of the Berlin Wall. They were called the Montagsdemonstration. I love it when you speak German. Which is the Monday demonstrations. And they happened every Monday night and they happened again and again and again. And it was this sign that, like, we are not going away. Wir sind das Volk. We are the people. We are not going away. We are here every week until something gets done. And that's what brought it down. And, you know, I'm listening to this fantastic podcast at the moment called Winds of Change, and it is all about the 1990 power ballad from the Scorpions, the German rock band. I was going to go, that's one of my favourite songs. So is it a podcast about that? Oh, well, it. oh, my, please go and listen to it because it's about the fact that it was potentially written by the CIA to push the energy of the nation to start amping up um, against the Soviet Union during the Cold War. Can they write us a song for right now? Or will they have already? What is it? Is it the new Gaga? I'm in. Sorry. Yes. What what that means if that Scorpion song was written for that reason, which go on the journey, eight eight episodes, amazing. But what what it means is that the government was orchestrating that movement. There's been a little bit of a call out and wondering about from people about whether or not the timing of the release of the footage and the uproar that started about George Floyd's death, was it amped up a little bit to be a deflection like there has been done in the past to create deflection away from what was going on politically around the virus, getting back to work um, and the 42 million people that were on the unemployment line. The interesting thing is, even if that's true, what happened was human consciousness went, you know what, this is more important. But also it's all connected. And this, the human consciousness is the surge. It wasn't, gov- even if it was government amped up, it wasn't, they are not able to control this narrative and that's why we must not stop. It's why calling all dreamers and creators and songwriters and dancers and graffiti artists and in use what you can with what you've got where you are because... We are holding yeah. the energy at the moment if we keep turning up like the Berlin Wall. we There is no anthem from the CIA because this needs to come from the surge of energy from the people, I think. I think that's why it's different. Yeah, The power of the people. There's the internal power, the power of God, external power, power of the people. And there's always more of us than there is of them. Whoever's ruling over us, there's always more of us than there is of them. And sometimes we forget that and then sometimes we remember it and that's when real change happens. I agree, yeah. There's also empowerment and this is so much the zeitgeist at the moment when we're talking about power. It's sharing of power, it's empowerment, it's lifting up those who previously have been disempowered and doing the work we need to do to change the structures within ourselves and within the system. And it's that's what feels so vital about this time, that platitudes 
were never enough, but they were accepted as enough. Platitudes are no longer accepted as enough. The only currency that counts in this revolution is the actions you are taking on a daily level. Yeah, and I was really glad to see that as soon as the groundswell of people showing up and and they committed to keep showing up and, and the arrests were made, I was really glad to see people start to go, and now what? Right, we want to defund, we want to demilitarize, we want to talk about education, we want to talk about, and that's what we need. And now what? And now what? Because it's the chipping away and the pushing at that system. And even the fact that we're talking about it as a system, not just as an experience with one, every single one of us has an internal system, as we were talking about in the beginning, and an external system. This is one of the um, misunderstandings about racism idea that racism is individual acts of hatred as opposed to designed systems, structures of oppression that benefit a group of people over another benefit group of people, which is what the blue eyes, brown eyes experiment showed completely. It's like all of a sudden you're in charge, you're filled, completely arbitrary, which is about as arbitrary as the decisions on on race and which race is better than any other race. It's all, it's all nonsense, but it's structures of, of power that is racism. And I think as white women the work we need to do, the first thing we have to put on the table is that we're racist. I think that's got to be our starting ground and no more denial. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say it for myself. I'm racist. I benefit from a racist system. I try not to. I'm trying to do my work, but I live on stolen land. Everything I have in my life is because land was stolen over 200 years ago and it's never been corrected and that is what my life has been built on. And that has to be the groundwork that I start my social justice, anti-racism work from, from that 100%. Point. That that experiment, watching that experiment when I was in high school changed my life, watching that just by designating brown-eyed children superiority and blue-eyed children inferiority throughout the day just started changing the way everyone felt about themselves was unbelievable. And then when I became a teacher, I actually had a psychologist friend that came yeah, wow. in and we conducted this experiment with a year and by the end of the day when we did the share one of the boys that was probably the most dominant in the group he said I have never felt the feeling of wanting to self-harm and in six you know short long minutes of someone making me feel like I wasn't allowed to do what I wanted to do because of the color of my eyes I actually thought how can I leave here how can I escape from this room and he said I've never had that feeling before so it is true that constructing an environment and just day in day out pushing pushing and pushing on people is is very 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 stressful and it's actually one of the symbols of militarizing your police like as soon as you militarize the police you're basically creating an environment of conflict the helicopters were even flying over the heads of protesters in a in a mm. movement that they yep. only do during war recently yep. you know like it, the signals we're being sent at the moment is so violent and so oppressive i think that's another way we have to as white people offer real support is understand that now is our chance to risk our safety and that for black people and people of color and indigenous people just living is risking their safety going down the street with a packet of Skittles in their hands and a hoodie on, is risking their safety. And so at this point where we're like, okay, I want to help, but I'm scared, that's also where the work begins. Because that's like, now that's got to be your starting point. I'm scared and that's okay, I'll do it anyway. Now is the time. 
the rubber has met the road, now is the time to take the risk and risk my safety and my security and my financials and everything that has been safe and secure because it's built in a racist society. It has to be up for grabs. And it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to look at everything you have and go, I need to risk this. Yeah. Have you experienced any form or feeling of this ever in your life? Like, have you, have you got a personal sense of even remotely connecting into it? I went back and asked myself, what's the closest feeling I have towards this? What? Once I had one racial epithet in my life and it was from this crazy landlord I had in Berlin and he was mental and on a lot of drugs and he accused me of stealing his mattress it's a whole other story but in accusing me of stealing his mattress he said you Australians you're all bloody criminals and that was the first time anybody had ever and it hit me like a ton of bricks because I had no experience around it it also washed off my back it shocked me but it wasn't the water I swam in every day it was a one-off event but it was the tiniest little understanding because my first reaction to that was like, no, we're all different. And how can you say that? And Because any generalization is inaccurate. And any framing of an entire group of people as one thing is inaccurate. When, when I first travelled, everyone said, oh, don't worry, you're an Aussie. You'll be able to go anywhere and get anywhere and people love you. They love Aussies. And when I travelled, there were places that not love Aussies, actually, and really affronted me. I had an experience police brutality once and it was small compared to what we're talking about but I was with my partner and we were getting ready to deliver bread to the homeless and he had taken a shopping trolley to put the bread in and he was coming down to the car and these two police officers came over and we were just dressed on a Sunday night to deliver the bread to the local um, homeless shelters And he came over and it was in an area, if you're in Sydney, you know Redfern. And so it's an area of a lot of Indigenous people. Interestingly, my partner is not Indigenous, but he has very dark skin. And we were in the um, car park and they stopped us and they said, what are you doing with that? Where are you going? And we said, oh, we've just collected bread and we're going to the homeless shelter. And they said, did you just steal that from the bin? And we're like, oh, no, they put it in garbage bags and we take all of this bread. See, open up the car, there's the bread, and we just take it to the homeless shelter. And he's like, I don't believe you. And we're like, um. And because we'd skipped out of the house, neither of us had our license on us. And where we came from originally, you didn't need to have your license. And he demanded, where's your license? What's your name? He held us there. He put us near the car. Mm. He wouldn't let us move. His partner got on a radio. I don't know who they were calling. And then my partner dropped his gum wrapper and he said, Mm. right, I'm going to get you for littering, $270. And we were just sitting there going, what are you doing? What are you talking about? gave us the fine. He was so jumped up. He was so angry. At one point, my partner went to fight back and I had to go, I don't think this is the time. And it was so frightening and so scary. And we got in the car and delivered the bread. And I went, that is a tenth of what some people in this community are experiencing every single day. And it was so scary. We ended up fighting the fine. We tried to get the police officer, you know, put a thing next to his name it was thrown out no one wanted to hear about it but it was it was really scary to my first concept ever of the police not being on my side and actually 
feeling it's different when it's somebody who is not wearing a uniform. When somebody is wearing a uniform, you have no, it feels like you have absolutely no right at all to say anything. It was really, really frightening. The system is set up around in the equality, really, that one group has power over another group, that one gender has power over another gender, one race has power over another race. There's no inequality. The resources the, are divided yep, differently. Yeah, yep. access yeah. is different. Um, outcomes are different. And so at this time when we're addressing the inequality of the current systems we have in the world, there's an argument that we're seeking equality but there's a difference between equality and equitability, isn't there? Did I pronounce that right, equitability? I think that's going to be a tricky one, but it sounded good to me. I think that there is, there is this concept that we are looking towards a more globalised understanding of being human and that all human beings deserve the same rights. To do that, we're probably going to have to create a platform where those that have not necessarily always had enough power are given the chance to move. So, for example, we're, some of us are going to have to give up power. Some of us are going to have to give up things. And not tell anyone about it, just do it. How to share and let others go ahead and, yeah, for sure. And that's the only way it can be equal. Mm, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like how can how can it be equal if we're not going to start to give back or – Bill. And if it doesn't take into account historical inequality, you can't just go, okay, well, now yes. everybody, now we're all equal. That's yeah. not actually equal. That's because it doesn't account for what has come before and the wounds of that and the trauma of that. And the generational yes. pain. See, we've got this, gen this is where it, our work comes in is that this is leading to future generations, but we've got all of this past history, all these past energies and wounds that need tending to so yeah we I think we the only way forward is to be equitable yeah. and I think that's going to be difficult like I actually when I ran that blue-eyed brown project I would start to say to people okay so now we're going to give back like there's a whole second section to that where you reverse yeah. it actually that's really challenging yeah, yeah. you know imagine if you start saying well we're all going to divide the land differently or well that happened in Marbo didn't it like people didn't want to give things back and they didn't National parks, even. I really remember the fear around Marbo, like at, when I was young, that was like, oh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. The fear was like, oh, they'll take our land away. They'll take our houses away. Uh, that was already done, but to them, like, and now now it's a problem that it might happen to you. Yes. We're worried about it. like. And the thing about this is that to have collective growth and evolution, we have to work on this stuff around power. Yeah. We cannot yeah. evolve yeah. if we don't understand how we're using yeah. our systems of power yeah. internally and externally even further. I just, I don't think we can change. We can't move forward unless yeah. this yeah. happens. And understanding hierarchies of power and power sharing. Yeah. We have to gain awareness. It's the only way. Yeah. And power to the people. And every great sage, every great teacher that has come before us on the spiritual path this is actually in every story. It's like a moment of disempowerment, disconnection, some kind of, you know, feeling where there was a block to this kind of awareness or empowerment. And then the story is how they overcame it, what their enlightenment was about it, how they could move forward. You know, that's why we study those people yeah. because they have the keys to these internal powers. And every great teacher that ever came to earth 
never came and said, oh, look, these people get to be in charge and everybody else just has to suck it up. Every great teacher that's ever come to earth has been like, we are one. Yeah, it's so true. It's the common message, isn't it? We haven't worked out what happens around that, but it's the common message. And I remember you saying, you know, all the ancestors are walking with everyone who is taking this walk, whether, you know, like I come from a family that was fled from their country due to revolution, so does my partner. So when we marched, we marched for all the ancestors and all the people marching at the front because all of those people come together, yeah. the spiritual plane, all the spiritual teachers. Yeah. We're all pushing at the moment. And you and you and I, this work that we do, we know that you can heal your ancestral line. We know that you can heal backwards, yeah. that actually yeah. because yes. time is wibbly-wobbly, the work that you do here in this current incarnation in your lifetime, if you choose to, you can heal back through your ancestral line. And maybe this is our opportunity to heal, to heal back through the ancestral lines on both sides, those who held the slaves, I those who that. were the slaves, those who held the power, those who were um, disenfranchised. Maybe we yeah. could do this work in here and now to heal our ancestral lines all the way back on both sides and end the inequality here and now in this generation. Yeah. And the conversations we're having at our own dinner table with our own mm-hmm. children yeah. and, and our own whether parents. or not we say, yes, it is safe to go and march, it is safe to be heard, and this is the reason why. And we were pretty explicit with our kids about why it was important. And by the end of it, I think they had a healthy version of positive rage around it. And I just don't know how else to do it except to throw them in and say, this is the world you're living in. We're here. Have you got any questions? But we're all going. Put your mask on. And it's that thing as well to like not take a stand at this time is to take the stand of the oppressor. So sure, it's like even as a kid, you've got to like figure out you've got to take a stand. You do like... We've all got to decide what we stand for, what we stand against, and what we will not stand. I was surprised, and that's not the right word. I just can't think of another word right now. But I felt visceral rage at people that did not take the moment to put up the black square or to shed some light or to pay some homage. I I felt visceral rage and ideological Whew, disconnection. Yeah. I immediately went, wow. And it, it is, power is the throat chakra, right? If you're not willing to speak out, if you're not willing to use your divine power in action, you don't have power yeah. according to spiritual yeah. law. So when I saw silence or talking about, you know, just normal business, business I felt offended. Yeah. For all my black brothers and sisters, but offended on a human level, I felt offended. And I was surprised at my absolute rage. And again, if you're a black person who's just been asking to be treated like equal to white people your entire life, you've had, this isn't new rage for you. You've had this rage since you were born. It's so offensive. Well, that's why all lives matter was so offensive in this moment, wasn't it? It's such, it's such a big topic, power on its own power at this particular time, these transitions of power, what are our takeaways? So, our, yeah, our takeaways are you are born with power. It is your birthright. Even if you're born into circumstances that mm-hmm. are disempowering, that does not mean you do not have power. You absolutely have yeah. internal power. Power as a collective at the moment too, is to come from the highest position that – we have within us some level of memory and code about how to live in oneness. We came from oneness. We are not 
separate and that if somehow we can start operating more in the language of the age of Aquarius and we can start using it to rebuild these structures, even if that has to be a loud scream and a fight and whatever it has to be for that to happen, to know that it is supported at this time, I think that's important. Collective power is real. It is powerful. It has changed and shaped the world again and again and again, and it can now as well. I was thinking about Louise Hay and I was thinking she must be looking down on humanity. She spent her entire life telling people that the essence of health was choosing love over fear and watching people come into the streets and just choosing love over fear. She must have just been jumping. Like you finally got it. You can heal your life. She must have been screaming. That's something to remember that there are great people of wisdom that have left us with books and a whole lot of concepts that can help us find our power again together and individually. Yeah. I think one of our takeaways today as well is that if you hold power, if you are a white person who holds Mm. power as a result of the racist system that you've been born into, now is the time to do the work you need to do to give that power up. Share your power. And especially with that thing we talked about, if you've got power and you've used it to hold other people down, it is time to get your shit together and knock it off. Find a new way of being and start sharing your power. Share it. Don't tell anyone you did it. Just do it. And the biggest therapy point in any journey is to ask, where is my limit of comfortableness and how do I step and then keep pushing there because it's okay to be doing it if it's comfortable if this is somewhere that talking about this and being in this conversation is comfortable expand it even more ask what would I not be okay if someone came and you know, expanded this concept into because that is really where your work is going to be. And that's the work of growth. That is the work of growth. You'll start and you'll be like, okay, here's my level of discomfort. This is the work I've done. And then you're going to have to keep expanding it and keep expanding it. And that's the sign that you're doing it right. If you're constantly uncomfortable, congratulations, you're in the struggle. Well done. Welcome to the, welcome Mm. to the revolution. You know what? This experience also requires you to take care of all the basics. You need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to rest, you need to regather, and then you need to keep using this energy and this voice and to stay divinely connected. Because I think if you can be a whole circuit or I can be a whole circuit and then we can go out and contribute to the collective circuit, oh, my God, that is powerful. It's like Star Wars-level material. Yeah, and if we learn how to tend to our power, Yeah, then we have power to share. We don't get tapped out. We don't get exhausted. We don't burn out. We are the source of perpetual motion. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, vote. (laughs) Voting is a fifth chakra action. It is where prayer is a fifth chakra. I call in help from the divine, fifth chakra action. But voting is the physical world incarnation of being able to say, this is where I direct my energy. And whenever we get a chance to vote, I think we should take it. I know Snoop Dogg is really on this bandwagon at the moment. We love that. He was like, I was incarcerated. I didn't think I could vote. And now he's like, I can and I'm going to be using it as my weapon, which is, you know, great. You've been talking to me about this in the last week and sending me stuff through. Heaps and heaps and heaps of voices who are very, very consciously um, aware that they have been fighting this fight for a long time and are trying to share their truth with us so to listen and I want to hand it over to black mothers, black women, the grandmothers, 
these people have raised their tribes and their families and the aunties. They have been there and I want to hear from them and and learn from them because they've kept groups together and they've been through so much and I'm sure they can help us come together as a world family. Yes, listen to black women. If you're a white person as well who's wondering what you can do at this time, the really good news is so much and the information is already out there. It's been out there for years, just waiting for you to come mm. and um, Google it. Do not ask black people for this information. They do not hold, need yeah. to hold your hand through your self-education. That is your responsibility. But there are so many resources out there and they are really easy to access. You don't even have to look that hard. You just have to, like, yeah, Google it. The list of books will come up. Get reading. Get decolonizing yourself. Watching. Get to work. Put some money on the table. Spend money at black businesses. Um, donate to black support organizations especially here in Australia yes there's a lot of children's support at the moment happening in the indigenous community anywhere you are they will be calling upon there is a call at the moment which I think is keep protesting and usually at the end of every episode we do uh, what the world needs now obviously what the world needs now is for white people to do their work and stop their bullshit and sort this out and so to that end um, I we are going to share in the show notes the Victorian Women's Trust anti-racism resources from Australia and beyond it does have an Australian lens um, it's an amazing list of organizations you can support as well as books you can read podcasts you can listen to it's incredible there's so much information in there um, we thank that organization for putting it together and we will share that with you in the show notes so go check it out um, if you need somewhere to start and I'm going to be putting up a list of children's books and documentaries that I would recommend that I've started watching and reading to my kids about how to educate your family we're reading one at the moment called Little Legends Exceptional Black Men in History by Vashti Harrison it's amazing the kids love it it's got lots of information that you can then spark off into bigger discussions and and it's just brilliant currently I'm watching the 13th on Netflix absolutely moving eye-opening and really 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 amazing resource just I heard this quote last night and it just touched me so deeply and it's it's something I'm just sitting with at this time and it is with love all pain becomes medicine and there's just been so much pain. There's been so much pain for so long. And I guess where I'm sitting with that quote at the moment is the hope that this pain is the medicine that heals us because this world is in so sick in so many ways. We have such a deep call for healing in so many areas. And we're seeing this, this uprising and expression of pain play out across the world. And maybe, maybe with love, all of that pain will become the medicine that heals us. Maybe. Yeah, we, we always close this podcast by saying support you. And this time we mean it more than ever. Support you. Protesters, support you. Yeah. Support you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Wooverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.